0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Libby. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you
1: have.
2: What is up late on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Writes Podcast. Your Ole Miss Rebels are national champions. Ole Miss takes the first two games of a three-game series from the Oklahoma Sooners to capture the first national title in any of the men's uh, big three major sports. Uh, Really since the late 1950s, early 1960s, it was a remarkable run um a really storybook ending to a confounding but immensely talented frustrating and also for a lot of fans very lovable team um i a little late recording on the podcast i did go to those two games over the weekend had a great time um in Omaha, saw us into uh some listeners it was great interacting with uh those of you who i might have run into i really appreciate um The kind words there and enjoyed getting to talk to some of you guys. But, wow, what a couple of days. Um, I imagine most of you are on cloud nine. So, uh, enjoy it wherever you're listening to this from. Maybe you're hungover at work. Maybe you're just now driving back. Who knows? But I hope you guys have enjoyed it. So, we'll just get right to it. We have Colin Brister down the pipe. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you, the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. The world's best handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. You need to check these guys out. Skybox, they love Ole Miss. Right now they're running a promo code that you get 50% off any picks package purchase until the first football game, the first college football game kicks off. Use the promo code NATTY, I want to say. Did I get that right? I'd be the one to give the guys the wrong promo code. Let me double check this. We're doing this in real time. Let's see. Yeah, promo code Natty N A T T Y. If you needed help spelling that, well, I've got more questions for you later. Anyway, fifty percent off any picks package that fits your price range. Look, Skybox is the professionals; they're the best handicapping service on earth. If you're into wagering, you need to use Skybox. You're—they're uh, the only way to consistently profit. They're going to help you do that way more consistently than your uh, than your own dumb brain and. You don't want the bookie calling you on Sunday night, Monday morning, text you, ask you to square up. You want to be texting him, asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Skybox is going to help you do that. You Pick a picks package, whether it's month-long, season-long, all sports. You can try it for a week. You can try it for a day. I recommend just going all sports, riding with Skybox for a year. They're going to make you a ton of money and then some, and it's going to feel great doing it. So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Ran into the Skybox guys over the weekend. And uh, great to see them. Uh, happy they're a part of this uh, podcast family. Very, very fortunate to have great sponsors like skybox. Um, So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Take advantage of this natty code. Any any picks package, anyone, 50% off. That's half off going forward to the first football game. Box says go Rebels, nat- national champions, and they want you to profit uh, off of it as well. Check them out. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg, another terrific sponsor. I absolutely love Greg and the LB's, the guys at LB's over there. You need to check them out. It's absolutely the best place in the world to get meat. Um, And Oxford is so lucky to have it. Right now, if you're a RippyWrites subscriber, it's rippywrites.substack.com. You're going to get a newsletter from me early Tuesday morning as I'm starting the writing process now. And you also get discounted meats. It's a six right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. All you got to do is type in your email and boom, show and proof of subscription, and Greg will get you set up. Then go find your own favorites, whether it's all kinds of the different cuts. I love the tri-tip. The filet burgers are delicious. They have great sides. Fresh seafood, crab stuffed mushrooms are always a winner. Incredible sausages. All kinds of great stuff at LB's. He wants to make your grilling experience great. Fourth of July is coming up. Maybe you're just going to grill outside for a week to celebrate Old Missus' national championship. Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. If he doesn't have it something, he, wants to, he will get it for you or do everything he can to get it for you. you. need to go there with just a crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out there, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. And finally, the podcast is brought to you by Mims Insurance, a new sponsor to the show. Very excited about Mims Insurance. Very good luck charm. Old Miss, I think, has lost a grand total of one baseball game since the fine folks at Mims Insurance hopped on. Matt Mims is an independent insurance agent in Oxford, and his sole goal is to make sure you get the best insurance rate out there. He will shop your quote at 10 different uh, providers, and he will find you the best and most affordable one. Everything's expensive right now. gas, groceries. Um, I don't know, national championship tickets, merch, all kinds of stuff's expensive right now. You can't lose going with my buddy, Matt Mims. He's a longtime friend of mine. I wouldn't steer you to someone I don't trust. I can promise you that. He is going to get you the best insurance quote in the industry. All you gotta do is give him a call at 601-218-7854. If you're anywhere in the Magnolia State or in the uh, Oxford surrounding area, all across the Magnolia State, anything you need insured, home, auto, car, maybe you got a boat, Congrats to you for having a boat. That's pretty sick. You need it insured. Mims is your guy. You need to call him. He's going to help you out. He'll get you set up. Check him out there. 601-218-7854. Let him remove the hassle of surfing insurance and shopping different claims. It's kind of a complicated process. It's hard to, a lot to digest. He's going to do that for you, and he's going to send you the best one, and you get to pick which one you want to go with. Boom. Check him out. Matt Mims there. Thank Glad to have him on board. Here is Colin Brister on a Immortal team of destiny. The Ole Miss Rebels are your 2022 national champions. All right. We now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. You were moments back from Omaha. Um, I got back not too long after uh, you did kind of go back around the same time. Ole Miss is your 2022 college baseball national champions. Did you ever think you would live to see the day? i got to be honest. I've had that conversation with a couple people over the last 20 hours. Did you think you would be alive to see something like this?
1: Yeah, I did, if I'm honest. Um, I thought that at some point – I didn't know if it would be under Mike Bianca or who it would be under. I thought on this would be a consistent enough baseball program, um, that they would play and win a national championship before I died at probably age, I don't know, 52 or something. Um, That's awesome. but Wow. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. but. I, yes, I, I, I did think at some point Ole Miss was going to be consistent enough to play for and win for one. I did not think it was going to be the group that left Fayetteville, Arkansas at 7-14. and 14.
2: Yeah, that's what makes this such a remarkable story. And we've chronicled it on this podcast, you know, incrementally as it happened, as it got really bad, and as it turned. Uh, but really, in the last couple of weeks as they made this run, uh, particularly once they got the home ball, I feel think like we did a decent amount of reflecting back to just how ridiculous this turnaround is. And maybe all of this is fitting in a way, um, because if you think about this, this was really the antithesis of a Mike Bianco coach team, right? He likes to have a team that relies on, you know, one or two really good frontline arms. Uh, a really good middle of the lineup, which they did have that part, and kind of a, a, a hoss at the back end of your bullpen. And so they didn't really have that, right? I mean, they had Brandon Johnson in the back. They had a bunch of good pitchers, but they didn't have your your, your uh, Doug Nikhazy, Gunnar Hoagland, or your you know Lance Lynn, Will Klein, or whichever combination you want to throw out through the years, Christian Trent, uh, Chris Ellis. Like They didn't have that, and this team – Kind of, I mean, not kind of. They took Mike to Lowe's. He'd never been. He had never been seven and fourteen in the SEC with nine games to play. Um, and then all the way up to the the good part of it. Clearly stating the obvious here, he'd never won a national championship. They had never won a road regional. And they, I mean, they beat the last two programs to put them out of the postseason, uh, including Arkansas, who's been kind of a thorn in their side. They had a lot of great battles. I wouldn't say Arkansas is like Ole Miss's big brother or anything. Yeah, they no. just had Ole Miss's number a little bit. Um, and it's been great battles, and so, like, I guess it, it just almost seems fitting in a way that everything that, you know, Mike Bianco hadn't had to go through or hadn't accomplished um, over, you know, his 22-year career happened in kind of the most unorthodox of ways.
1: That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, no, it's it's extremely uh, satisfying, and Um, If I'm honest, I listened to to your former employers at Sports Talk on the way home today. Um, And and Borky had had one word to kind of summarize it, and and validation was it, and it kind of feels like that, right? Everything that he's poured into this program, um, everything because he's ran this program. Now, look, the way Mike has coached kids over 20 years has changed, um, but the way he runs the program from a culture um, and a mindset and 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 a strategic standpoint hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot since 2002 um, and up until this year you really haven't got the results from um, the way he ran it and and now you do um, and and it's look it's it's a it's a story of perseverance it's a story of our Bunch of kids that came back to do something special and give them a hell of a lot of credit because because they did and man you know we talked them and, and I heard I think Neil mentioned this on the post game show that you did last night uh, we talked earlier this year right about like hey they don't have the they don't have this prick a prick on this team like it just you know get some going and, and and you know they don't, they don't have that jerk and I'm kind of glad they didn't because they really really liked each other. And I think that's why they won the national championship because they just like being around each other.
2: Yeah, no, I, that's a, that's a really important point in all of this. And as I was watching the, uh, the postgame press conferences preparing for this podcast and I listened to some of them on my flight home today, that was something that stuck out and I don't know if we ever, ne- ever questioned that specifically. We definitely questioned, you know, whether do they have an asshole on this team? Like, the, and do they need one? And maybe they didn't end up needing one because in a way they kind of all collectively became a little more like that. Now, look, they aren't Tennessee, um, which is probably a good thing by any stretch of the imagination, but they had a little bit more of an edge to them over these last, you know, six weeks, 60 days, whatever lens you want to look at this through. And they all kind of had that collectively. And I think something that may have been lost, in all of this, and this is maybe not specifically what we questioned, but kind of got lumped into the umbrella of is this team, you know, have they quit and are they soft type of thing. They really did genuinely seem to enjoy being around each other. And I think that's important because with everything that was on the line this year, being at seven and 14, that may be the only way they actually stuck together and fought out of this. And they get into the NCAA tournament by the skin of their teeth but like them not folding against Missouri the week after they leave Fayetteville, Arkansas at seven and 14, you know, they knew what they were up against in terms of Mike's job security and everything was going there. They're human. They read stuff. Uh, They definitely see stuff on social media. We went through that portion of the year. Um, Maybe the only way they were able to do this and stick together is because of how much they enjoyed each other. And that became evident even right before things turned around because Mike was so relaxed when things were not going bad or not going well, excuse me. It was almost, I almost wondered if he was just, we talked about him just being at peace with whatever happened. And I think part of that was accurate, but I think part of it was the fact that he just enjoyed being around these guys. And like, he knew there wasn't necessarily any buttons he could press at the time. It just kind of was what it was. They weren't playing good baseball. And he was just kind of, living day to day and just enjoying being with those guys. And that kept him like weirdly relaxed when, you know, in years past, particularly when his seats gotten hot, he's, he's been pretty uptight and I don't even necessarily mean with the way he manages a baseball game, just the way he kind of is carries himself in post-game interviews. And I think that was a piece that maybe didn't get talked about it enough. These guys really do love hanging out with each other. I mean, Dylan Delucia called Tim Elko a mentor in the post-game press conference yesterday and, you know, they were ribbing each other. I, they weren't making fun of Gonzalez, but they, I forget Tim Elko had some quick quip about Gonzalez and the hit that he had or whatever, but it's just a bunch of dudes that liked each other, and I just, I just wonder if that's the sole thing that had this turn around because a lot of teams, particularly ones without great chemistry, would have absolutely thrown in the towel at 7 and 14. I mean, I thought we, I, I titled that, I've mentioned this a couple of times, I titled that podcast that night, The Final Nail in the Coffin, just because from a math perspective, it almost seemed impossible, and no one told them that.
1: <laughs> it was almost impossible, right like like um they were almost mathematically um impossible uh from passing the class, which which would have, for a passing the class simply uh, would have resulted in a you know a c and somehow these jokers pulled off an A plus they hacked the uh, computer system I guess I don't know um no it's it's the most impressive thing I've ever seen from from a sports team that I've followed um. And what's crazy is, like, man, it was different kids every night. And, and, and you know, back on the, the – they genuinely like each other. Um, one of the coolest – and there were a lot of cool things this weekend that, that had little to do with the actual action of the playing baseball. But in the middle, um, I, was, I was watching the, the first game again, and Calvin Harris hits the home run um, after TJ McCann puts him up 7-2. And Harris is back in the dugout. And the first guy you see after he's back in the dugout with his arm around him is Hayden Leatherwood, the senior who this kid took his spot two weeks ago, and he hasn't played since. Like, like that that's the type of thing. You talk about a Ben Van Cleve that hardly had won it bad in the College World Series. Um, first guy out much. of the
2: dugout every single game of the postseason, it felt like when the game ended.
1: Yeah. They loved each other, man. And it was awesome. Um and and that's why they won the national championship. It's um look, I was happy for a lot of people yesterday, um, but it was really really cool um to just see how much this this group genuinely liked each other and played for each other. And now, um, Kevin Graham and Justin Bench and and Tim Elko all presumably leave Oxford as national champions. What what a story! Um, just just since I don't know how um you can cover or write. I think it, 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 if you're making a movie, you almost wouldn't believe it.
2: It really is. I mean, it is a movie-worthy storybook, whatever you want to call it, just because it was yeah, – and I wrote about this a lot over the last week in the newsletter. It's, It's an unbelievable run. It's not like unthinkable that this team oh. could do this, but the method in which the pieces came together – almost seemed impossible I mean it it, not impossible but that's what seemed unthinkable and I think that's where the shock value is I mean it just with the way they were playing ball for two and a half months of the season the way this came together almost seemed like if you disassembled a watch and stuck it in a shoebox and shook it and expected it to turn into a Rolex again but like that that's the part that that was shocking but that's also the part that makes it not shocking at all, too, because this team was supposed to be here and supposed to be doing this. I I I thought in February they had a chance to win the whole thing. And like I, I pointed this out the last time we did a show. If you told me at the beginning of the year Hunter Elliott and Dylan Delucia were gonna become what they become, and Brandon Johnson was going to be as good as he is. I thought Mike had a great point after the game yesterday. He said, Look, if we'd have had a better regular season, his like Brandon Johnson's year suffered a little bit because of the regular season they had in terms of sheer statistics. But anyway, if you told me what that bullpen, what it was, I would have told you they'd have probably played for the national championship or had a damn good shot to. But again, as I keep going back to, that's not how this came together at all. It's what the end product was, but watching this team kind of fit the mold of what we thought they'd be was not in any sort of conventional way that, I don't think anyone could have predicted. I mean, the offense was kind of a liability, for like two months, and the pitching held yeah. it afloat. And then in the postseason, they just kind of seemed to save each other's asses. Ole Miss had a nice mix of legendary pitching performances and incredible offensive outputs. Whether it was game sure. one of the national championship, game one of the Super, that just it all worked together to form the machine. Just the way the sh- machine formed uh, just made very little sense, honestly. It, it's remarkable.
1: Well, you remember. When they were going through that four-week or five-week stretch um, with, you know, Alabama and then South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Arkansas, um, you know, the the mantra was what? um, Good teams find ways to to win games and bad teams find ways to lose them. And Ole Miss was just continually finding ways to lose games, whether it was the South Carolina Saturday game or the Mississippi State game that they blow on Friday night that would have given them a series win or – um, the Arkansas game that was that was horrific from, a, um, you know, a situational hitting standpoint, they continually found ways to lose games. You look up a month and a half later and they continually find ways to win games. Um, you know, I know we, we, we've been since then, but it was kind of for all. Um, the game that won the national championship didn't happen on Saturday or Sunday. It happened on Thursday. Um with Connor Nolan pitching his absolute tail off and giving up two runs in eight innings and only just one anyways because the guy they had on the mound was just better that day. Whoever won that game was likely going to win the national championship, the more that I think about it. And and that's kind of my point. Like, this team just figured out ways, whether it's beating Miami 2-1. to one, um,
2: Those are the two know, wins uh, that stick out, by the way, to add to your point. Yeah,
1: it's the Miami game and it's the Arkansas game on Thursday at the College World Series that they kind of stick out. Um, look, I, I'll be honest, when they won the Miami game, I thought they were going to um, I thought they were going to to go to the College World Series because I didn't really care. Um, look, obviously I rooted for Southern Mist because I thought they were the easier matchup, but I I, I Ole Miss would have won at Alex Box Stadium, I'm sure. I, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, but you know the moment I was pretty sure they were about to to win the College World Series, it didn't happen. Um, like it happened during the middle of a game, and this it sounds dumb, but I believe it. Do you, do you remember a play like that where you're like, "Oh, th- these cats are about to win it"? Can anything come to mind?
2: A specific play?
1: Yeah, and nothing even happened. The play resulted on a dead ball and a dead ball.
2: Hmm. What when is
1: Peyton he ran into the wall and almost broke his ribs trying to catch a ball halfway or three fourths of the way down the wall, I was like oh yeah, they're just to win this. That that was the moment that I was like, oh, uh, they're supposed to kill themselves to win the national title, and and sure enough. I, and I'm being a little facetious there. He did get um,
2: the shit out of that wall, though. That's what I'm saying. People, honestly,
1: like they didn't care anymore. They were just out there playing, and and man, a lesser team. Lesser guys, after what happened to them, because I'll tell you, there was a moment on Wednesday off Jacob Gonzalez's bat. I go, they just walked off Arkansas. Um, and, and they didn't. A lesser team folds fold less than four hours later and, and give them and, – and Dylan Billy had a lot to do with that. But give them credit, man. They just – every time the bell had to be answered, they did it. Played one elimination game in the postseason. That's kind of wild to think about, too.
2: One. And the one – and that's the – to add to what you're talking about and kind of the general theme of this team kind of conquering and exercise. I don't even know if it's exercising demons at this point. Whatever scar tissue this program had left, this team repeatedly conquered it and kind of fought that away because that Arkansas elimination game was the equivalent of a game three, right? Ole Miss played them on Monday and won, ended up facing them again on Wednesday, lost a tough game. The I mean you read the message boards and what some people thought and I don't necessarily mean it mean it in a pointed way like toward anyone but there was a general sentiment of oh God like they're they're like they... Wednesday felt like a gut punch are they going to respond and there was never really yes. a doubt. the the junior college transfer um, who's turned himself into a legend in three short months went out and pitched the game of his life and it and the only reason I hesitate to call it that is because it feels like he's had four of those this year. And he does it on yeah. that age to where he's just better than Connor Nolan. And that's and it, it, even not just talking about this team, not even the program. The reason the Arkansas and the Miami wins stick out is because they had, they had to go beat really, really good pitchers. One of them who threw from his left side. And that was the kind of thing we talked about for most of the year. I don't know if this team can do that. I don't know if they put good enough defense and I don't know if they'll put up enough quality at bats and they didn't have great offensive days either way, either game, but they played great defense and they had just enough quality at bats it's it's, it's, it's really remarkable to see how all of that turned.
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Those two games um, will stick out in my mind. Um, frankly, I mean, well, for one reason, there wasn't a whole lot of close games um, in this postseason. Um, you know, obviously the Arkansas game, they lost. And then the last game, that won the national title. And then the Miami game, but everything else was kind of a, you know, a slug or a slog, I should say, I, yeah, no, those those two games are the ones that that made you think, oh, this this team still got it. Um, what a cool deal! It was, um, man, that that was awesome. That was, you know, I followed this program. I've been going to games ever since Mike got there in two thousand one. It was, it was, that was the best sporting day of my life for for absolute sure. I don't I don't follow a ton of major league or uh, professional teams in you know great detail, um, so that one was uh and that was that was special. And, and it's crazy how many people take like, they had 20,000 Ole Miss fans and the highest amount of Ole Miss fans that have ever been in a game in Swayze is like 12. Um, just insane to see that atmosphere and that, you know, Oklahoma can say whatever they want, but that atmosphere absolutely messed with them on Saturday night and even oh. in the league on Sunday.
2: Oh, there's without a shadow of a doubt, they really just kind of succumbed to the moment and that stage and the crowd and everything. I think it rattled Jake Bennett in the first inning. I had a Mississippi State buddy of mine, a guy I know him a long time. Um I was at the I was at both games, obviously, but I tweeted something about like I don't know if T V will do it justice, but Jake Bennett absolutely got rattled by the crowd. And he texted me a few minutes after that and was like, No, you're absolutely right. You can tell this on TV that that kid got rattled by the crowd. I mean,
1: dude, the- all American shortstop kicked the ball in the yeah. first inning
2: probably an even better example of it you're you're exactly right I mean and the the back-to-back to back home runs sounded like a football game yeah and it was just raw screaming and emotion like the people around me no one said anything it was just yelling and like people high-fiving and hugging and I sat down and I kind of just took it all in and looked around uh what, like what people were doing it wasn't a whole lot of like you know con there was no conversing it was just sheer euphoria and geez was it loud in there and it was it that until the whole weekend felt like a coronation. Once they, or I should say, once they won the Saturday game, once they won Game One, Sunday felt like a coronation more so than anything. And I know they were down two to one entering the eighth Thank inning. You. I just didn't feel like that game was ending two to one. Well,
1: cast got the single; the game was over.
2: Yep. And then you had the hit and run, but it just felt like a coronation after that, and kind of soaking in the scene of everything that happened after as. You know, what will go down is the greatest Ole Miss team in history is taking a lap around the stadium, you know, high fiving 20,000 fans. I mean, Mike made a comment in his post game press conference. We brought so many fans here that when we were doing this post game celebration, it still looked full. And it was like, well, that's, Yeah, that's exactly what my
1: dad said. Um, standing up was, it was, you know, like,
2: no one left. The, yes,
1: the thing at the end of the game, you can tell. It's like people were wondering how many Oklahoma fans were there. I'm like, I don't know, but it's 30 minutes after the game. This thing's still full. So.
2: And they're wow. just taking it all in. And like the 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 cool part about this whole thing is it's a lot of validation. It's a validation of the program Mike Bianco built. He deserved this. And you yeah. can say what you want about the postseason part before, and a lot of that was all fair. And you know, if they had fizzled out and they had not made the postseason this year, you know, barring it being the last team in the field or not, if they had not made it, it was time for a change. But that doesn't just because twenty-two years is a long time, and even if it had ended there, that doesn't denigrate like what he put together and what he built and what he is as a coach. And so for a guy that suffered a lot of heartache and a lot of postseason um, scarring, he deserved this. This is a validation of that, but you know what also, and we can get back to the mic part in a second, but you were talking about the crowds. So I just want to get to it. It's also a validation of everyone in the stands. Like in moments like that, like, yes, they'll actually remember the game, but I feel like in 20 years, very few people will remember the, hit and run as much as sure. they do the people they were at the game with and where they were and who they shared the moment with. And this was a, this was a validation of the sweat equity. A lot of fans have put into this. I mean, Ole Miss baseball, they keep adding you know parts to the stadium and expanding it for a reason. Ole Miss is, has invested in college baseball and the fan bases have bought in and they put in a lot of, a lot of time and money to travel, to get there. We talked before we started uh, the podcast about how many ridiculous stories we heard of people driving through the night. Um, I had a couple of buddies that had their first day of med school residency and they had to basically time it out to where if they left at 6 PM, they could get back and have enough time to maybe shower and head to the hospital. I hope I didn't get them in trouble with that, but you get the point. Um, It's a, it's an investment. It's a validation of the sweat equity and kind of the, uh, Emotional capital—a lot of these fans have put into this program because they've dealt with all this postseason heartbreak. Most of them, bar- barring the very young ones—and it was a validation of all that—and it felt like whether it's Mike hugging his family, doused in Gatorade, or people just hugging each other in the stands—it felt like one giant validation, and it was just sheer euphoria.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great way. It. there were so many cool moments like that. I don't know if you've seen the video. T.J. McCann's finding his parents. After
2: yeah, that was oh,
1: awesome. Oh, gosh, that was great. Um, and good for that kid. What a what a series he had. Um, man, you no, know, it's just so many cool moments. And, you know, like Mike alluded to this earlier, you need – if you're going to have a run like this, you need your superstars to be superstars. You need Dylan DeLuce to pitch well. You need Hunter Elliott to pitch well. But you also need Mason Nichols to pitch well. You need a Jack Doherty, who we should have mentioned by now. Um, to do what he did. You needed Calvin Harris to have a World Series like he did. Um, you know, you need guys like that. You need Peyton Shot, And, you know, while he did the hit probably as well as he wanted to, just making defensive play after defensive play after defensive play. Um, and you know what else you need? And, and this is the part that Ole Miss has been missing for 20, uh, let's say 19 out of 22 postseasons, or whatever the number is. They needed a little bit of luck, um, and they got it. You know, they, they had the massive crowd advantage. But, on, look, when that, that call was overturned on Sunday and it goes from second and third, one out, and Oklahoma with a one nothing lead to first and third, two outs, 0-0, your All-American flies out on one pitch, the game was over then. And I understand that Oklahoma took the lead um after that but if Oklahoma gets a hit right there in the top of the seventh inning um I believe it was or maybe the maybe the top of the 6 i I'm not exactly sure they believe it was the top of the six. they get a hit there if that ruling is not overturned and make it three nothing I'm playing a game three right now um and and I have died somewhere in Charles Schwab Stadium if that's the case
2: that would have um, been bad for everyone involved And I don't even mean the almost would
1: have won but it would have been miserable
2: yeah I'm talking about my sleep level um the amount of money I spent at the hotel, um, my work schedule that I mean I, and I'm not alone I mean I was just sharing the stories We went back that that needed to end yesterday
1: <laughs> yes, yeah God yes uh, like like I said Obus would have won, but it would have been miserable. um but you know it's it's just just insane um because after they needed the break and man, they caught breaks like like uh I believe it was Ewings. You know, foul ball. It's other miss misses it by half a foot, um, and then you get the break yesterday in the national title series. It's uh, they caught some, and my God, this this is a program that deserved
2: them. Yeah, you're right, and that doesn't. And I, don't, I, I think our listeners are smart enough to not take this away, but just to, to state the obvious, that doesn't take anything away from the run. Every championship run needs oh. fortune and luck. Ole Miss had so many of the little things go its way, too. I mean, look, the foul ball on the grand slam. In uh, Hattiesburg, it was foul. It was the right was foul. call. But a couple, a couple inches the other way. And I, I think they still probably would have won that game one. We said that at the time. Sure. But that place gets rocking, and Ole Miss has kind of dominated the game to that point. And all of a sudden they leave the sixth or fifth inning, whatever it was, and then they're down four to three. Um, all the way to the runner interference call yesterday. It was the right call. It was the right call. But the kid was in the grass. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people in my section. The
1: rule is dumb.
2: The rule is dumb. It's a bad rule. But it is a rule. But I mean, I can't tell you when they showed the replay, I mean, you set people just in, in like almost in unison, just screamed in the the grass. grass, Can't do that. But they had so many of those and so many little things happen on the way. I'd say they got a pretty favorable draw um, from a regional standpoint and a super regional standpoint. And that, as you said at the time, I believe you said they shouldn't apologize for it because man, they've gotten screwed in the past. And so they had all of that. And then it all came together. And
1: while we're naming breaks, they caught one that Auburn won the Super Regional in Corvallis. Yep,
2: they don't get jerky. A hammer lefty uh, in uh, Oregon State, if that doesn't happen, and who knows if they win that one?
1: Look, yeah, but like like we said, they deserve them. This is a program that's gotten shipped to UCLA. It's a program that had to play a national champion in Texas in two thousand and five. It's it's had this fair share of bad breaks. And You know, I don't I don't want to talk about the future too much, but I will say this. Um, and we've said this, it's a model of consistency from a regular season standpoint, and now you've let the model of consistency from a regular season standpoint play with zero pressure in the postseason, it ain't going to be long before they're back in Nebraska.
2: Yep, and someone made this analogy, uh, and it's something I was reading earlier in the week, and it's not a perfect one, but, like, it kind of took Skip Bertman a while to actually win the first one. And then, it, I think, I think I had that right. When, you know, remember... How, I'm really going to test you Do you have any idea when he took over at LSU?
1: Uh, early 80s, I believe. Let me look.
2: He took over in... 84. First national title came in 91. I guess that's not a terrible 91. one, time, But you get my point. It was in year sure. seven. And then all of a sudden, what happens after that? They win another one in... Uh, or they make another College World Series appearance in... Uh or they win it again in 93, 96, 97, 2000. I'm not necessarily forecasting that, but my point being, and this is not even close to the same type of story, but sometimes once you get it going, even if it takes a little bit to get it going, that lack of pressure, and once you get to the summit and you get over and the monkey comes off your back, I think you're right. I I, I think, you know, this 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 is gonna sound insane, but this this third decade of Mike Bianco could kind of be the one where he comes into his own from a postseason results standpoint, too. Add to your point, though, about I heard Mike say this throughout, a couple, uh, throughout the postseason a couple of times, too, is in the postseason, you need your stars to come out. And Ole Miss definitely had that in spades. It's the Elko hit against Miami uh, that really kind of bailed them out of what was a, an atrocious offensive inning the inning before, uh, but really kind of a bad day at the plate. It's Peyton Chatigny And, look, I, whatever you would think of Chatigny I, I consider him a star on this team. He's definitely a leader. He's sure. a guy that started pretty much every single game. Um, he'd played since he'd gotten on campus. They're not here if he doesn't have that four RBI that should really be five RBI um, explosion to to put them over the hump in the first postseason game they played. Um, it's Dylan DeLucia and Hunter Elliott doing what they did. But the, what you brought up earlier about needing the other guys too—it's Calvin Harris, it's John Gaddis, and, and it's not—it's guys that it's not even just guys that are other guys that are supplementary role players. It's guys that. Elko yesterday afterward, they caught him on video and he was just saying, we never quit. We always believe. We never gave up. We never gave up. On an individual level, that fits with so many of those guys, whether it be stars or just the other guys, too. I mean, John Gaddis was supposed to be the Saturday guy. And he gets taken out before SEC play. Um, He has an emergency appendectomy. Um, this one was his own fault, but he gets the world's longest four-game suspension for yeah. hurling at a guy, kind of backing his team. And then he comes back and gives them exactly what they need in a in a Wednesday. Granted, they lost the game, but gives them what they need. And then it was he, awesome. And he gets four crucial outs in this game. And then beyond that, Peyton Chatagnier had a terrible start to the year, a guy that had started every single game pretty much at Ole Miss, I think every single game but one or two and played in every one. He got benched at Kentucky and it didn't get better when he initially came back, but that guy one gives a shit to never let it affect his attitude or his defense. And he had a terrific postseason. I mean, he he had kind of another web gym to cap it off yesterday. It's, it's that Jack Doherty. He didn't pitch much this year and he didn't necessarily toward the end of the year. And he didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Um, He just kind of became the odd man out in a lot of ways. And just for the way that some of the games went he just didn't pitch a ton. And then he starts game one of the College World Series and puts them on the doorstep and puts them in position to win the game. I mean, you can keep going down the list. It's guy after guy after guy that battled some sort of personal adversity. Calvin Harris coming back and having the College World Series that he did, when he stopped playing for that portion in the middle of the year, he really didn't do anything but get hurt. Like, that, that's kind of what derailed it. And then he had a little bit of a slump when he came back. But, like, he didn't really, he didn't really do anything to – I won't say justified, but like he, his play in what, isn't what necessarily benched him. It was just a combination of a lot of things. But all of those dudes stuck with it and continued to stay invested. Um, and they all had huge moments in this run.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's not a story of three or four guys. You talk about a guy like Garrett Wood, right? Um, that comes in when TJ McCants gets hurt and he plays so well that even when McCants gets healthy, they can't just insert it back into the lineup. Um, and just just guy after guy all, all contributed to this. It's and, and that's what was funny when they were reading the names off yesterday for the most part. And then there were a few exceptions, and I'm not going to name them, but um, for the most part, it's like wow, every single person had a part in this, um, that was on that travel roster, and and that was cool to see because they needed them all. Um, you know, when you struggle like Ole Miss did and through April. You try a whole bunch of different combinations, and by that, by proxy, a lot of guys get to play. Um, And, you know, maybe that's why they were so good at the end, right, because everybody got the experience. Somebody had a theory on on Twitter that I kind of liked. It's like um, they were so good on the mound because Mike had to develop all the pitching to figure out which ones could actually do something. Um, You know, so it's it's been a crazy ride. It has been a crazy ride, but it's, it's certainly one that I'm glad they took.
2: The national champion Ole Miss team won forty-two total games. It was fourteen and sixteen in SEC (laughs) play. Them
1: tweeting out the forty-win graphic after the Arkansas thing was the funniest thing I've ever seen. They were, uh, you know, they do that. You know, they do it every year, and they don't make Omaha people roast them, right? They were like, "What's up, guys?"
2: They were on. They were on top of it in terms of uh, social media snark. Uh, Just a quick aside. I'm not stealing your thunder here. You're you're usually the one that that does this. Um, at a certain point in the podcast, but I'll steal it this time. Um, there was no moment of silence or recognition for Tennessee inventing. the oh, that's sport true. On, on Saturday or Sunday. They did happened.
1: go 4-0 and against the finalists. I don't know if you heard.
2: I did. But, like, I don't know. I I just think we, as as a country, as a sport, <laughs> as a society, and as one of 25,000 people in that stadium, we should have just had more respect for, for the founders of this great game. Um, so, congrats to them. Um, but <laughs> on a more serious – Did I get a
1: moral – do they get like a moral a morality twenty twenty two national title? Maybe they could put that up.
2: Look, if it's just random Twitter people, I normally like. I normally don't give any credence to it. Like the the Arkansas thing. Like Arkansas's fans seem to be more psychotic on the internet, but most of them, if you like talk to them, probably pretty normal people in person. <laughs> but it's their media. It's Tennessee media. Yeah. Like. Like, Tennessee media dudes are questioning whether the the NCAA tournament was a true, like – It's viable. It's like, dude, this sport happened long after before you guys started uh, applying for media credentials late in 2021 to start – You know
1: when y'all missed the tournament 15 years in a row? We still played this thing.
2: No one told them that. You're going to have to show them picks or it didn't happen type of thing. I mean, it's it's – was, I was surprised how much I saw of that the last week. I was like, I, it's just one crazy. Then I was like, nope, nope, it's a it, it's whole lot of They're it. They're all nuts. It's, it's, it's something else. But I, getting back to it on a serious note, I, you know, the game feels irrelevant at this point. Um, but, I, I mean, we should go through a, a, just a couple of pieces of it, kind of going through sure. game one. Jack Doherty was terrific. And awesome. I, I, I'm sure I've, we've talked about this. I probably texted you, you at this at some point Saturday or Sunday. The weekend's kind of a blur. Um, but once Ole Miss won that first game and when Doherty oh. and what he did, it, it, it felt over, um,
1: I mean, was Delusion Elliot going on to
2: exactly that. I mean mean, that, that's really what they were up against. And I thought it was going to end on Sunday. I was hoping it would end on Sunday, uh, just from a, from a financial standpoint, um, from my just physical health standpoint. Um, I, I, I don't really, I, I'm, I'm over the peak in terms of my, uh, my drinking yeah. days, so I wouldn't have had a third day of that uh, in me, that is for sure, not without, um, not without feeling terrible for Serious repercussions. It, it, felt, it felt like it was a tough, tough climb for Oklahoma, and I don't know about you, after that first game, you talked about the stage and the amount of people, and that's part of it. It's fitting, too. All these people that put the sweat equity into it absolutely played a role in them winning these two games because uh, Bennett got rattled, the entire team got rattled. They, they did not look like they were up to the stage. I mean, look at all Miss, how they scored the go ahead. They sure couldn't catch the ball. Yeah, it was just a, yeah. It, the guy said it was a cross-up, and I was like, was it he moved out there? He just didn't catch it. They, they, they seemed, they seemed uh, to have gotten wrapped up in the stage and kind of rattled by the stage, and that was another piece of it, too, where I was like, this team is not winning two in a row.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: No, uh, well, once Ole Miss tied it um, with a Gonzalez single, you know, they could have just handed Ole Miss the trophy and saved everybody time. Because like even look, they were they were never coming back from the top of the night. but they didn't even look like they were trying against Brandon Johnson. I mean, it was just boom, 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 boom. You're done. Um, and look, I get it. He throws in 97, but come on. Um, so they they were so rattled by what had happened in the top, of it, which tells me they were not ready for that, right? Um Ole Miss could have drawn a lot worse opponents. Like I don't think Texas A&M would have been as easy as Oklahoma was. So. Uh, you know, it's uh, they, they call maybe a little bit of a break, playing play an Oklahoma team that was because because we, we talk about the environment, right? And even like Vanderbilt last year against Mississippi State, when you talk about this environment, that wouldn't have phased Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt obviously got beat by a better Mississippi State team last year, but you get my point, like they've seen that before, sure. Um, Oklahoma had not, and and they freaked out. And even – look, man, they got tight in the eighth. When, when things – they were good until the kid gives up the seed, right? When, when Kay Horton's just out there mowing everybody down, everything's good. But when he has to come off the mound and, you know, bench hits a ball into the forehole that's open because T.J. McCants gets a great job, um, then it's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then the wheels start spinning, and the next thing you know, you're down four to two.
2: Yes. And the, the they're you talk about breaks and being mentally tough and being able to respond to adversity. From the Oklahoma vantage point, the runners interference call is a tough break. And their body language was different after that. And it didn't, particularly when Gaddis gets them out of that inning. Um, at two to one. When they got out of it two to one and the kid did like a guy didn't put a ball in the gap to make it like four to one. I was like, okay, they're not this, they're not coming back tomorrow. Ole Miss is somehow going to find a way. Um, a little inside the mind of Mike Bianco, he was thinking in the dugout. Um, he said, he mentioned, we haven't had a walk-off win this year. I thought we might walk it off to win the national championship. I'm sure he'll take the eighth inning, but I yeah. thought was an interesting note that he had <laughs> yesterday. So, at that point, they, 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 it felt like, okay, they're going to do this. It's just a matter of how. Yeah. I just was, a, I,
1: I, I had a feeling like if this was actually a movie, Elko rips the ball in the
2: bullpen there, right? Neil mentioned this on the post game show last night, to where Neil was like, he was like, I'm not almost like glad it didn't happen, but like I would have, all, like Neil was like, if that had happened, I'd have almost rolled my eyes in disbelief at just how ridiculously like storybooked this along <laughs> is. Like that, that, that almost proved that there is some like human, uh, like rationality
1: in yeah. all of this.
2: But yes, that, that, that you talk about when you're making the Disney movie, Elko puts one, uh, over the, uh, over the stands there. And it, it, it didn't happen, but that was like the only, like just non-magical, like, like chink in the storyline. Like that was the, that was the only thing because everything else was just so storybook about the entire thing. And then, you know, Brandon Johnson, a guy who hasn't gotten to pitch a ton in this postseason. Mike talked about that yesterday, um, where they, they, they pitched him in a 10 run game on Tuesday or Monday night, excuse me. Uh, just to get him some innings, like, that we needed out there. We needed him pitching pitch in a game. And for him to finish it off the way he did, that dominant, I mean, they're, they're talk about removing all doubt. They, they didn't come close.
1: No. They, they had three hitters, and none of them were touching him. Mean, I don't know if it was the bottom or it didn't matter. The top quarter would have had the same result. It's um, just, just dominant. and Man, it was, it was everybody, right? Everybody played well um, in one way or another. You know, I know Dunhurst probably didn't swing as well as he wanted. It was, it was Dunhurst's best six games defensively um, for me. Um, this is an Oklahoma team that still stole a lot of bases this year, and it's still a whole lot on Sunday or Saturday because that guy behind the plate's got a hose. Um, and, you know, obviously getting out of the bleed on Saturday helps with that some, but on Sunday they had base runners, and um, the one time they tried, they, they, they get picked off because they didn't take too many chances with a guy like Dunhurst back there. Um, you know, just just remarkably impressive from, from pretty much everyone that stepped on the field. Nobody, like, I, and I mean this genuinely, um, outside of, oh, no, nobody. Nobody had a bad week in Omaha. Well, like, you look at it.
2: Who's the closest nobody. thing?
1: The, the closest guy had three hits and hit a ball 450 feet yesterday.
2: I was about to say, Jacob Gonzalez, the guy who kind of battles a tough week. Um, as Mike pointed out, too, um, he was like, it wasn't a terrible week, which it wasn't, but he did not have a good week. If I was almost wondering if he was fully healthy at one point and what does he turn around and do? He hits the ball 400 feet and then he gets the go ahead uh, or he gets the single, I guess, that ties the game. Excuse me. Um, like the, it, it's everyone played a part. You're right. No one had a bad week.
1: You know, look, and it, it shows you, right? if you're an Ole fan, how hard this is, that this is the team that got it done. Because and I don't mean to take anything away from them. I figured it up last night. I was talking to our buddy Dylan about this. I think it's the seventh or sixth most talented team that Mike's had, which is good. But it's not near the most. It's not even close to being the most talented team, but this is the one that wins the national championship.
2: It's close lineup standpoint, but just from a sheer star power pitching-wise, don't you think that's where the drop-off is? Because, like, last year, the same roster yeah. pitching staff with those 2 frontline starters, would you put that in the top four?
1: Last year's team? Yes. Oh, you're talking about this year's team with, with Nikhazy and, and, and Gunnar, yeah.
2: Well, that's basically what last year's team was, is my point.
1: Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, no, I, I would have last year's team ahead of this team, for sure.
2: Uh, um. But you're you're right. But the, you know what they did? They they cemented themselves into immortality. I mean, that this is this will be known as the greatest Ole Miss team in history until yeah. so they win another one, and then I guess you can compare the two. But like, these guys are the greatest Ole Miss team in history, and they were the most unconventional in the way they did it. But maybe it was all the, like maybe it had to happen this way. Um, maybe if they hadn't, maybe if they'd have won twenty. I mean, you saw what happened to the number one overall seed this year, and what tends to happen to them, you know, almost every year at some point. Um, they end up losing their last game and they don't win the national title. But my point being is like if they had a, this sounds ridiculous, and I'm not saying this is the preferred route to take, but like maybe it had to be this way. Like the if they'd have gone 20 and 10 in the regular season and you know played a super at home a home regional at home super and hadn't to face that adversity, would it have turned out the same? I don't know. It seems like a lot of the failure. And a lot of the criticism that they received really kind of built them for this run and for this moment and for this stage like this. And that's easy to play the results and say that after the fact. And I don't even know if I necessarily believe it. I'm just curious if the, the unconventional path kind of hardened them enough to get over the hump and do this. Yeah, no, it's it's
1: a really good point. Um, and just the, 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 maybe it did have to be like this. Maybe the team that. You know, was the number four national seed. You know, just just isn't able to get it done or whatever. And you you play loose and and look up. Maybe maybe this is the best way, right? It's um, it's the team that's talented enough to do it, but doesn't really have any pressure to have to do it because they didn't play as well as they should. Um, and as crazy as that sounds, it's kind of what happened. Um, this, just just me. You know, happy for a lot of people. There, there were a lot of people that had put a lot of sweat and blood and tears in this. That, you know, talk about a Clement, a no Lafferty, and, and those guys have been – I mean, Clement's been here eight years, man. Um, yeah. I know it doesn't feel like that, but um, he's going in his ninth year at Ole Miss. He's almost been here a decade. It's crazy as, and as old as that makes me feel. Um, Last been here for 16 years and four as a player. Um, and You know, obviously hyped for 22. It's – um. Man, there, there was a lot of people that deserved that moment last year, but but obviously none more than those three.
2: It was a lot of um I mean, look, I grew up going to these games my whole life and I I knew a lot of the people in the stands. A lot of them were my friends. Um and it was yesterday was a lot of uh I mean look, don't get me wrong, they celebrated the jello shot record speaks for itself, but just in the sheer moment afterward, it was less at least where I was around, it was less like Let's go shotgun a couple 40s, and more so just soaking it all in and a lot of hugs. Yeah. It felt like everyone in that stadium was watching the game with someone that they grew up watching Ole Miss baseball with. Yeah, uh, that was I, me. I, I told the story of my dad in Italy, but my brother drove through the night um, after the game one win and got there for game two. And then my, uh, my buddy from uh, – my best friend from college, uh, sports agent there, Michael Portner, um, he, he took a 5 eight I saw on his one. name on
1: ESPN the other day, by the way.
2: Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> dude, he's, he's, I mean, he signed Orlando Brown yeah, that's what he was as a sports agent. And it's, it's crazy. I don't think it's fully sunk in that this is his uh, life yet. We talked about that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. He was on ESPN the other day. He got some solid pub out of that. Um, there, I mean, there's a couple, there's an athletic article the other day talking about how, like how Brett Veach and the Kansas city chiefs are going to handle this guy negotiating his first contract. I was like, Oh, I knew this guy for four years in college. Um, but anyway, <laughs> back to Probably what I was no getting Yeah, <laughs> but back to um, no, I'm very proud of it. But it, it was my brother and a guy that I've watched a ton of Ole Miss sporting events with. I mean, I was there with with Portner the night that Ole Miss beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa uh, with Davis as well. And it just felt like everyone in that stadium was watching a game. The game with someone that they would have been. Know, to a lot of games with and it felt like a lot of that and that was very cool to see because those are the moments you're going to remember forever and that's why this team you know that's why saying they're kind of immortal um is not really hyperbole people will remember this team forever they'll remember the the postseason run they had and they'll remember when when all where they were when all this happened and who they were with and i imagine sunday was the day that a lot of people uh you know some people maybe uh the, the late night crowd that i was around may not remember uh, it immediately but they certainly won't forget it at the same time and that was just cool to see the uh the amount of just kind of pure joy walking around the stadium in that place I mean it, it, I've said it over and over again but like euphoric is really the only way to describe it I mean you were there with your dad I mean how was that I mean it had to be kind of uh awestruck I don't even know the raw, proper word I mean, yeah. how do you describe such a thing
1: yeah so like 21 years right we've been we've, I, I, I told people this and laugh. but um, my first game um, and Swayze was Mike's only tie on his on his record against Murray State. It was five to five and a one um, So Dad, and I were – we we went to Omaha in fourteen. It was always something we wanted to do, and then you know just because of my work and his work, uh, kind of waited around to see if they would win um, and get to the situation against Arkansas, and then went up. Um, and you know watching them advance to the national title series was just as awesome, or not just as awesome, but the, on Thursday was the, the them beating Arkansas to advance the national title series uh, was the best sports moment of my life. Um, and then to cap it on Sunday, like I'm, I'm sitting there in section 126, 127. can't. Right, no, no, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm doing my sections wrong. Maybe 120. Yeah, 120. And um, just the, you know, everybody standing in the last inning. And my dad has no video. I, I didn't want to video because I just kind of wanted to soak everything in. I knew he was videoing it. But When Johnson strikes the kid out, like I don't even yell. Like my arms just go straight up in the air. Um, and about thirty seconds later, after I see the doll pilot just sit down, and like I'm, I'm not ashamed of it because I'm sure there are other people. Like there, there were tears mines when uh when, when that thing ended. That uh that was something. Um, that's something I'll never forget. I've seen Ole Miss win a lot of baseball games. I've seen him lose a lot of baseball games. I I will never to the day I die forget that one. That one was uh that one was special.
2: Yeah, I mean, I found myself thinking of my dad too, and like wishing he was there and not across the pond in in Florence. Did you talk to him today? I have not, so I don't know what I, I've kind of let. I've, I've texted with him a decent bit. I don't know what the phone situation is over there and how that works. So I didn't want to charge him like a a twenty five dollar international call. Um, but he's pretty happy, and I got him. Some, I got them some shirts and stuff, and so. He's pretty euphoric he was able to watch it um the fact that it was a day game minute started I think at like eight o'clock local time there instead of midnight okay. which was big so you're not yell at any anymore no no I think he got it on no problem and he was uh he was pretty euphoric about it too but like that's that's just the kind of stuff that people will remember forever and that's that's what this team delivered for the for for this fan base and for a community and for a university because they were I've never been, and look, I I didn't start doing this. I mean, I basically started following Ole Miss baseball like this closely from a semi to full-time professional setting in 2015, the year after they went to Omaha. That's kind of fitting. Um, But like, I had never seen a team that had been that widely criticized on social media and in the media to the point where you had former players kind of trying to light a fire under their ass to use Austin Anderson's terminology. Other people would uh, proclaim it as kind of, uh, taking shots at them to the point where you had some current players respond and you know you had the you had the West Burton man in the arena tweet which I didn't necessarily think was an apt analogy but like there was a point where we were coming on and doing this podcast and I almost felt like there was a sense of frustration from both of us just watching it because it was the same stuff over and over again and so it's so crazy that this was the most like one of the most—I guess I can't call it the most—you'd know better than I would—one of the most criticized and frustrating Ole Miss teams that turned into the most beloved Ole Miss team in a kind of a fifty-something day span. I mean, that—that's so wild to me how the feelings of this team turned. Because, and look, when I say this word "hate," I mean like sports hate. Didn't it feel like this team, like that, like from an Ole Miss fan base, it was kind of like a sport hate? Like I don't understand these guys. I don't understand what's wrong with them. I don't understand why they're playing bad baseball. The, the level of frustration amongst the fan base to me was as, as high as it's ever been. And then to juxtapose that with the scene yesterday, it's just kind of insane to think about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, that's a good way to put it. It's yeah. I would, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely say it's the most criticized team ever and, and just to continue to fight through that. And obviously some of the, some of the things weren't great optics, um, you know, but, we more frustrated, I think. Look, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't um, expect fans to show up in Omaha, Nebraska, um, in droves like they did with 22,000 people there, and then the fans not also be frustrated when you're 7 and 14 in the league, if that makes sense. Um, that's, that's part of the blessing and the curse that, that has been created with this program. I'm just glad from a personal standpoint and as somebody that cares about Ole Miss baseball um, that all that's over. Like, you don't have to worry about and you don't have to debate Mike Yanko's job status. Keith Carter said he will be the coach for as long as he wants to be, and by God, he will. Um, and people, you uh, know, some people say, well, that's not exactly the best thing to say. Well, here's the reality. Um, Mike is not going to suck because he doesn't suck. So what are you, go- you're never going to fire him. So he's going to be the coach for as long as he wants to be because he's not going to suck. It would take him sucking to fire him he's not going to do that. Um, you know, it, I, I'm just happy that, that Ole Miss gets to be in a normal baseball program, if that makes sense. Like, all of the crap that happened up until yesterday doesn't matter anymore. Um, they just get to go be an elite baseball program. And, and frankly, that's, for everybody else, that might be a little bit of a scary thought.
2: Yeah, it 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 really, it really is, and it's it's like we said at the top, and I know I'm repeating myself, but it's just a validation. I mean, look, the, this was the deserved outcome, um, or the the just outcome, because I mean, we we talked about it. If this if the season had continued to turn in the wrong direction, it was time for Ole Miss to probably make a change and see what else is out there. It just felt like it was time, but that also didn't necessarily make it just or deserved in a lot of ways like yes like you can understand the firing but for what Mike Bianco built not to have a moment like this would have just it, I don't know it, it, I mean he would have gone to some other school and built up a pretty good program it would have been a pain in the ass in whatever the conference that is and I mean that in a positive way and it just kind of would have felt like man like that, that just that ending at Ole Miss doesn't feel right for a guy that built the program into what it is, this felt like the just outcome, and we can talk about how many people deserve it and how awesome it is. Um, he's the one seed in, in in that conversation. I don't know who else fills out the bracket. It was able. Uh, it was cool to see him, you know, soak it in with his family and everything. I actually ran into Michael Jr. for a little bit afterward, and he was just on cloud nine, ecstatic. And who can blame them? I mean, what a, what a day! I mean, he's the he's his oldest son. He's been there from the start. But for Mike Bianco, that was just very cool, and I, I was happy for him. Um, I know I like to joke about the fact that Mike yelled at me a few times for the years. <laughs> we maybe a all- little yeah.
1: bit of a different dude now.
2: Yeah, and we almost didn't. We didn't always have the the chummiest of uh, working relationships, I'd say. But he's a good coach and he's a good man, and I'm I'm very happy for him. And that was that was super cool to see. Um, you don't often see Mike Bianco at a loss for words, but there were points where I mean he admitted it. He was kind of speechless, and I was just very happy for him because national champion Mike Bianco sounds. A hell of a lot like makes a hell of a lot okay. more sense than him in thirty-five years. And It's like, how did that guy not win one?
1: So they got to build a statue and rename the stadium now, right? So this works.
2: Something will happen, right? I mean, he won the first big three sport national championship they've had. We better
1: build a statue.
2: Do you rename the stadium? How does that work? Like, what 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 would be the just thing?
1: I don't know how that just- works
2: because. Put his face on the scoreboard? That'd be yeah, scary.
1: so I don't – I like – well, okay, I get renaming the stadium and all that, but what happens in 75 years when some other cat comes and wins six national championships? You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not exactly fair to Tom Swayze. Um, so I don't know if you can kind of do a dual thing or how that works. Um, I mean, I'm fine with it. I just kind of wonder, like, how, how do you kind of manage that going forward, you know?
2: Could you put a statue just, like, up by the uh, – like the baseball offices, like, you know, in that little parking lot. Yeah, somewhere in there. There's
1: plenty of room to do stuff.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, see, we I, can I, put I'm a all,
1: statue of him.
2: I don't know if we have anyone out there listening in the statue community, but like, I'm not well-versed in how that works, but I feel like you could work something out. If we have any sculptors out there um, kind of feel free to hit me up in the DMS and explain to me how this okay. does, doesn't work. I have one request. There's a lot of cool moments throughout this run. Instead of something corny like Mike with his hands up in the air, can we make it a two-person and have him yelling at an umpire? That's more fitting, in my opinion.
1: Ooh, I like that. I like that. Well, just, for good, see, see, I have some friends, and, and I love them to death, but they're kind of statue snobs. It's like, I, I don't know if it's worth a statue. I'm like, why, why, why do we care? Like, build a statue of Mike. Build a statue of Tim. Build a statue of Delusia, Build a statue of the giraffe that Delusia saw at the zoo. I don't care um just build all the statues for all i care for this team um i don't know that it, yeah that would what about uh and we didn't talk about this because it, it was not something our purview what about mike just ripping into those cats on the mound
2: the other night did you see that yes so did you did you see that as i'm curious to get your take baseball. Guys, baseball well did you did you take it as them ripping into him or almost just like a jolt of like hey, like, like the, the time is now, like, let's get it together here. Like, almost didn't take it as him upset or angry.
1: don't oh, no, know. I, I, I'll disagree there. I think okay. he was pissed it would.
2: Okay, I was curious because, and, of course, I couldn't hear it, and I didn't actually see that. I didn't notice that live, and I was watching the game, and I, I maybe just missed it or turned around or got up. I, I don't know why I didn't notice that till after. So I watched the replay of it a bunch of times. I, I, maybe he was mad. I don't know. Um, but I took, like, part of that as is him kind of, like, picking the perfect time to light a fire under their ass and kind of, like – it was, definitely wasn't to settle them down, but it was kind of, like, to to be, like, hey, wake the hell up. Like, we're here. The time is now. Um, I thought that yeah. was really cool, too.
1: Oh, That was awesome. So, so the way – I and, and I'm not a professional lip reader. He comes out there, and he says something initially to a shot, and I can't tell what it is. And then he looks at Wood, and I am – look, I'm not – think I'm a decent lip reader, but I could be wrong on this. But I'm pretty sure he looked at him and said, Are you? And then fill in your word, I can't tell, that ended with ING. And then he said, Me. And then he looks oh, back at uh
2: That was after that Wood didn't go Wood got hit. He took the liner, uh like yeah. he took the hot shot, but he didn't run full speed to go get it. I don't think he was yeah. dogging it. I think he was just kind of like dazed. Yeah. But that's what it was okay you're right he was pissed then because he I I I, I thought in the moment it was weird that like no one was pointing that out more I was like that kid took his time to get over there not faulting him or whatever the case it's irrelevant now you're right though he probably was a little pissed
1: yeah and so then what was cool two things as a coach what was cool is this everybody everybody nobody got pissed off nobody got their feelings because you're in the college world series That, that that that's not how you would handle things and then he looks at them and after he kind of says his piece to wood, you can sit and you can tell he goes, all right, lock them in, lock in right now. And he walks off the mound, and Ole Miss goes strikeout, strikeout, pop up, and gets out of the inning with no other runs. Now, look, did they win the game that night? No. But they did respond, and I think that is important from, from two aspects. One, they responded um, to being challenged like that. And two, man, just the attention that, that he had um, from those guys in that moment, um shows you exactly what they think of their head coach.
2: I agree. I think that's well said. And maybe that's what I was trying to get at is it wasn't like you've seen, I've I've personally watched him rip the team after games to where there is no let's lock in. There's no like uh, inspirational or motivational ending. He's just ripping them. And I guess what I was getting at to your point where it's like, there's no point in like, the full on ash chewing that kind of like undresses them a bit because that, like, what's the point of doing that in the college world series? Like he, he got, he kind of said his piece. And then he kind of was like, all right, lock in right now. Like you said, and kind of, kind of left it on. I don't know if you'd call that a positive note, but like, Hey, like, come on, you like, you're here. You can do this. Let's, let's get it together right now. I thought that was a, that was a cool moment. There were so many moments on this, on this entire. And I'll
1: say this on that. Right. And you would know a little probably a bit better than me. But ten years ago, right, I don't think that message resonates the way it does because I think he coached in that form all the time, and now he just kind of picks and chooses his battle as, battles as to when to use that form of coaching, and I think it resonates a lot more with those with with those kids that way.
2: I think you're absolutely right. He's talked about this a couple of times. I've talked about it with him a couple of times too uh before I left the beat full time. It's like his thing on it is like kids these days aren't soft they're just different and you need to figure out kind of how to coach them and I think you're right instead of you're right I think for 10-15 years ago he had been that way all the time to whereas this time like now it feels like he picks his moments a little more and kind of picks his spots and that spot definitely worked you're right they didn't win the game that night but they got out of that ending and they certainly responded to it it was I mean the whole thing has just been kind of surreal I mean it's 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 I mean, say sunk in. I don't really know what, what what that actually means. A lot of times, but the fact that this team is the national champions of college baseball after, I mean, after being seven and fourteen, I, I just I thought they could get hot, and we always held out like hope or or left the possibility open. But I didn't think they would do this. And look, we talked about the close games and them overcoming adversity. Let's not lose sight of how dominant this run was. They outscored opponents, what do we got, 82-25 to 25 on this run. They won seven in a row, and aside from a one-run gut punch on Wednesday, that was their only time they dropped a game. Uh, their bullpen went 20-something innings without allowing a run before Brandon Johnson gave up, what proved to be an inconsequential two-run home run to Stovall there in the Monday night win over, over, um, over Arkansas. I mean, they won the equivalent of a national quarterfinal game by, by eight runs, and it was really worse than that. The 13-5 to five was not indicative of the score. And, and the same went for the super regional. Um, that 5 nothing was not indicative of, of how dominating it was, and I thought the score in game one spoke for itself. I mean, they scored 22 runs in a regional final. This team dominated. This was a dominant run through the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't, I'm not well-versed enough to know off the top of my head where this stacks up in history. I mean, it it needs to be said. This team kicked people's asses en route to this title.
1: I actually kind of looked at that. Um, I would put, and this is the past 10 years, I would put UCLA in 2013 above it. I think this is the second most dominant run in the past 10 years. I I didn't really look farther than that. But um, they lost one game. And and look, reality is this. you lose – most teams lose more than one game when they win the national title. I'm trying to think back to Mississippi State last year. They lost a Super Regional game. They lost three games. Um, Vanderbilt, they lost two in 19. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, – people have to play a lot of elimination games or a decent amount of elimination games to, to uh, win the College World Series. Most times in Miss played one. And they won it with Dylan Belusha pitching nine innings. And, and frankly, I mean, looking from an outside view, there wasn't a whole lot of stress because nobody really got to second base after the fourth inning um, except for the, the, the seventh. But, um, you know, it's, it it was a remarkable run just from a domination standpoint because, really, they, they weren't overly like, – like, I always was waiting. And it happened on the, the Wednesday game against Arkansas they had to play on Thursday, but there wasn't a whole, a lot of adversity that they had to overcome, you know, like, even if they had lost, uh, yesterday, they were going to win today. Lucia was going to win today. Um, and I guess that would have been overcoming some adversity, but I guess my point is like, it never got overly hard for this team, I guess.
2: No, I mean, all the adversity, you're right. All the adversity. I mean, that we talked about that on the pod. Um, I feel like it was definitely leading into Auburn. And then after that Auburn win, um, it, it it just I imagine Ole Miss fans are a little shocked at how easy it felt like that and look they, like of course I mean of course it wasn't easy to do and easy to get through but just sure. from a sheer like the way it looked from the super regional on it, it felt kind of like a breeze once they got past that Miami game and beat Palmquist that day and they were in the driver's seat of the Coral Gables regional it 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 felt almost shockingly easy and I think that's just I think that's an indication of how good of a brand of baseball they played and how dominant they were. And, you know, it's, 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 it's good that this team finally showed the best version of itself because we remember a couple of times when it was really bad there in late April or so, we were kind of on the – we talked on the pod a little bit in disbelief to where it's like, is this really how this team is going to end? Like it's just going to fizzle out without making Hoover and all that. Like this team, with what they returned in this lineup – and what they have pitching-wise, even though at that moment, they were still kind of figuring out, like, this is actually how this is going to end. It was just shocking. And it, it was – you know, it, it's fitting that the best version of them finally came out. And it's uh, – they certainly picked a good time for it. But to, to your point about the lack of adversity, all of that came in the regular season. Yeah. The adversity was, was righting, you know, the wrongs of a disappointing season and getting to the tournament and fighting and sticking together and getting in. All their adversity – happened in, or the bulk of it happened in April and May and late March. Like it, it all happened just for them to have the opportunity to play for it. Once they got the opportunity and overcame all of that to get in, um, I mean, as Tim Elko said, it kind of became a, 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 a moniker of the fan base and the team. Don't let them get hot. And they did. I I'll close with close that part of it with this. There was a gentleman yesterday as the game ended, um, walking into the urinal, um, My guy was enjoying his time, which made, I think, his aim and depth perception a little bit harder. And uh, you got to lock in when you go into those public bathrooms. And he was focusing hard, trying to get a pretty good ratio of that into the urinal and just kept saying over and over again, someone let the Rebels get hot. And then he'd smile and say it again until he finished his uh, his pee and got, got out of there. I was like, have a day, my guy. But they got hot, and they had to overcome adversity to get the opportunity to do so. And, my God, they made the most of it.
1: Yeah. No, it's it was, it was an experience for sure. You know, obviously the, the national championship caps it off, but it was cool to, to, to see that many Ole Miss people. Look, um, Ole Miss' fan, Ole Miss's fan base takes some heat for some stuff at times and, and whatever. People call them overly negative, and I get it. Um, kind of yesterday puts an end to the we are Ole Miss stuff, right? Like if there was an, a we are Ole Miss moment, you don't you don't come back from two to one in the the bottom of the eighth and win that game and take the lead and get to just have the ball to your closer who's dominant um at this point and 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 he closes the game out, right? Um for a fan base that had kind of had their heart tripped out, um, whether it's HALFO, whether it's fourth and twenty-five, whether it's two thousand and five Texas, um, kind of puts an end to that. Just 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 for maybe me personally. It's like, hey, you know. I don't, I don't necessarily believe in jinxes, but after yesterday, I certainly don't. Because, uh, you know, for the first time, it, it felt like Ole Miss finally caught a break.
2: Sure. What is there to jinx? They won a national title. They reached the pinnacle of the sport. Like, they, I, I don't know what the We Are old Miss moment w- would be at this point. They, they, they won it. Like, they, they are national champions. They reached. I guess
1: the- it would be somebody being academically and school and having to give the title up or something.
2: Now that would be something. I guess we. I guess they can't. I'm going
1: to guarantee everyone something. Nobody that played yesterday, or excuse me, nobody that played it might be anchor's program is academically enough. I can promise you that.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I think we're set on that. I think they're going to let them keep the trophy. Um, so they just kind of spinning this forward a little bit. They get back yesterday, or again, they get back on Monday. i recording this late on Monday night. Um, and then you've got the parade on Wednesday. Uh, it, I mean, the celebration for, for this team is just beginning. And, you know, it, it's interesting to watch them as kind of the confetti came down on Sunday. It's, it was an awesome moment, obviously. And I, I won't say it's somber or sad, but it was kind of surreal that this group of, of legends, I mean, I'll go ahead and call them that, was kind of gathering on the field of play one final time. And you talk about the heartache and the scar tissue piece of this. Mike pointed this out in his post game presser this the guys that decided to come back have been through plenty of that. I mean Tim Elko lived through Black Monday um the rest of them didn't, but they came one game short of Omaha in the other two years they played. They had a season taken away from them when they were the hottest team in the country, and granted it was a long way to go if this season proved anything. It's a long and short college baseball season all wrapped in the one that' kind of makes it look like a perfectly beautiful sport but they had that taken away from them. And so this group has dealt with their own scar tissue and their own heartache and their own adversity. And while it was the last time that this kind of hallowed group will be together, there's only one team in America that wins their last game and gets to walk it off in happy fashion. And, and they did that as, as champions. And that was, that was cool to see, but it was also surreal at the same time. Um, I don't know. There were just so many moments from yesterday. It all kind of felt like a, a blur, um, in a lot of ways. Um, but man, what a day. It was great weather. Um, I mean, it's just this entire scene was just surreal. Did you see those guys? So there were a few guys that were sitting on the fence like they had climbed over and they were sitting on the outfield wall. Did you uh, see?
1: Those? Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: Well, I was like, I wonder – Like, I, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Those dudes are probably going to get some good photos. And then I wake up with a Snapchat uh, this morning, and it's our uh, guy, former Ole Miss quarterback Ryan Buchanan, just living it up on the outfield wall. <laughs> that's there. awesome. With a couple of dudes. It just – it was mass hysteria. It was a mass celebration. And um, as you can probably tell listening out there in my voice, um, I, I, I kind of lost my voice a little bit. I think a lot of that had to do from trying to converse in a loud, and bar, a loud crowded bar – the last couple of days, but um, Ole Miss certainly celebrated it up. I saw that that Jello shot thing got to eighteen thousand. Um, I I did my part there on Saturday, not as much on Sunday. I kind of wanted to be a little more uh, a, little, <laughs> a little more with it. Um, but it was it was just a mass celebration. It was really cool. I mean, they walking out of the game on on for, on Saturday. Um, was like the kind of shit you see in the movies on like Wrigleyville or that area behind Fenway or whatever. It was just people like flooding the streets and masses before it. it was, it was a really cool scene down there. That was my first time to, uh, Omaha. We had a bit of a disastrous hotel situation that honestly resembled just like a lawless country, um, or a third world country, just a lawless abyss. They were overbooking rooms. Um, people were sleeping in the lobby on the floor. Um, Wait, what? Oh, dude, our hotel situation, I, I can't be the only one. Actually, and I don't ever bring up stuff like this, but I, I will just say it because it was funny. I know a listener um, shared in this because I was, uh, we were wallowing in our uh, shared complaints, and he was like, you have a familiar voice. And I was like, oh, well, here we go. Um, but they overbooked the hotel room, this Wyndham, who they had some flooding. They were understaffed. Two of their managers quit, but I got there from Kansas City. I wonder why. Yeah. I got there at one o'clock in the morning and they were like, sorry, we overbooked. We don't have a room for you. And I was like, what do you mean I have a reservation? And they said, well, that doesn't really mean much. I was like, well, I beg to differ here. Here it is. Like, where is my room? And they were just allowing these third party sites to overbook these rooms. And so they were just sticking people in random rooms. I got stuck in a showroom that I think had been repaired from some flood damage. It didn't have tiling in the bathroom ceiling. Um, it's now three of us in there with a queen a uh, king bed, which is not the room I ordered. Um, it was just all, my my buddy and his dad. is your in bed. His, all you had to do is. Text. He slept in his car, and his dad slept in the his dad's like seven years old and slept in the lobby floor. And there was like a rent-a-cop security guard guy who was like answering for the hotel behind the desk. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, I get you have a badge and a vest, but do you work here or are you just security? Like, why are you telling me how Expedia works? Lawless abyss but outside of that a terrific trip um and I mean there there were a couple there were a pack of bros in the hotel lobby last night at two in the morning and they're like they told us they had to wait on our room I was like buddy you're not getting one like you're gonna wait till the sun comes up is why they're telling you to wait um but anyway um but outside of that I thought it was pretty cool I think that downtown area it's basically like a state fair with a baseball team yeah on. yeah
1: that, that downtown area is awesome um and there were a lot of people that, that didn't get into the game, but just watched the game from there. From Ole oh, Miss,
2: I bet that was awesome too. I bet it got pretty rowdy outside. I did see the. Uh, I liked the scenes of the library too back in Oxford. That was pretty cool.
1: Did you see the Oklahoma fans that sat in the outfield and complained about the Ole Miss fans throwing beer?
2: I, can I say I get it? <laughs> I mean, look, I like so, I, but like, like I get the Ole Miss side of it too. Um, I'm not going to be the Grinch that I'm anti-beer shower, but it does kind of suck being sticky with beer, particularly when your team just got its ass kicked too. I can't imagine that was a ton of fun.
1: I'll I'll grant that, that that it probably does suck. And maybe if you're bringing your five-year-old daughter, like, you know, maybe don't call the police over there.
2: Oh, I didn't know Um, they called the cops. I wouldn't have done that. I'd have just been annoyed. I didn't, I didn't know the uh, law enforcement got involved there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They they, they called the security guard. Um. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was something. Then there was an Arkansas fan that uh, that said that all the Omaha people hated on this because they were they were arrogant. That was cute. Um, never mind the fact that their city is now one of the most thriving places in the world after the past week apparently. Um,
2: how does that work? But- Omaha has half a million people. Did he just go door to door for a bit? How did how did he? <laughs> what are the stats
1: there? <laughs> Do you take a census on who hates on this.
2: Checking in with you know Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway are based there. Did just check in with Mr. Buffett and was like, "How is the city feeling about the Ole Miss fans?" I I, I imagine that none of that probably happened. There's nothing better no, than a guy who makes. I don't it.
1: think Buffett knew the college world series happened. Yeah, <laughs> I will say the that city does such an awesome job embracing that thing. Like yeah, it's a long drive from Mississippi, but and it never will. But I, I I'm glad it's there in a place that cares about college.
2: Yeah, it really is. They do wrap their arms around it, and it's a really cool stadium and a really cool venue. I, uh, I enjoyed the trip. It was uh, I'd never been before. Um, I'm still kind of new to the fact that I kind of can go to games for fun and you know hang out with my friends and stuff. and I definitely missed that for a long time when I was working it. and it was so where'd, where'd you sit? Terrific trip. So the first game you'll love this when we're talking about no Oklahoma crowd. Uh, so the first game, I just wanted to get in there. You gave me the advice that you can get tickets when you get there. I'd gotten that from some state buddies, too. Um, That I know out here in Dallas, but I just wanted to have something for the first game. So the first game we sat down the third baseline, um, I unknowingly actually booked the ones in the shape. So that was a power play by me. Um, And then for game two, I uh, sat in uh, above the Ole Miss dugout in section 118. I guess it was just past the Ole Miss dugout down the first baseline Um, that ended up being on the Ole Miss dugout side, but that was mostly just best available what I wanted to get. But it was funny. I was going to wait and see, like, what's the Ole Miss side for game two. Um, there was no Ole Miss side. That was Ole Miss's stadium. Like, you could yeah. that wherever. There was no Oklahoma section. There was no, there's no OU side. That, that, that was – the entire stadium was the Ole Miss section.
1: Yeah, so, so I get the text, um, you know, before the game, like, we're looking for tickets or whatever in game one. And, then, and, and I had a buddy, and I had made my mind up. I'm going to pay whatever I need to to get the stadium. I've actually got a decent deal for game one somehow. And I was like, where are the Ole Miss fans sitting? He was like, everywhere. Just buy a ticket. You'll be by Ole Miss fans. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, And then game two, I I paid a decent amount. That was right behind the Ole Miss dugout um, for most of the game. And then then my dad and I moved up to see some of his friends at the end. Um, Well, no, that was game one. Anyways. um, But, yeah, it was – I, the, only, the only, my only complaint um, was that they did like the um, standing room tickets at ten a.m. Can we not, you know, I don't know if you've done it or can we not open that thing up at eight a.m. for everybody? It seems seems like that would be more conducive to uh, not having a five and a half mile hour or five and a half mile long uh, line.
2: Yeah, that would probably be a more optimal strategy, but my God, they talk about the Ole Miss packing the place out. Maybe they weren't anticipating that amount of people, right? Like, so we talked about this before we started recording, and there may be a story to be done about this, but how many people did you talk to this weekend that basically gave it the, like, I really don't need to be here, but I was never missing this type of thing, whether it was yeah. vacation days or, I mean, we I know we were talking before we started recording. I have a buddy of mine who, he, he was, uh, he's in a, accounting and uh consulting and he's out working he's based in Houston but he's working on a project in Fresno and (laughs) he flew in Saturday morning for the game and he had to get on a flight Sunday night back out. I think my man was in the Las Vegas airport at like midnight uh central time (laughs) trying to get back to work the next day. I know some people who drove through the night and drove back to get back to work. Um these sacrifices people made to be there and I think that's part of what made it such a great celebration was uh, pretty remarkable. And you talk about Ole Miss playing on big stages before. I mean, th- don't get me wrong, it worked in their favor, but that had to be one of the biggest, the biggest they played on. Because oh, man. Like you said Swayze holds 12,000 or so, or 10,000, whatever it is. I don't know, but that was 20-ish. That, we figure that's, If that stadium holds 25,000, that was 22,000 Ole Miss people? Yeah. Here's my question.
1: What happens if just so happened that uh, Arkansas is on the other side of that bracket it's almost Arkansas in that thing Where, where are they going to put the other 15,000 people that
2: show up there? Oh the the streets would be um, for the sake of of omaha omaha pd um, <laughs> a potentially rapidly <laughs> Let's not do that. society that probably did not need to happen. Um, <laughs> I'm talking tons of fights. Um, I mean, you got dudes wearing. I almost hot. think
1: I almost think Ole Miss Arkansas would be a little bit more vitriolic than Ole Miss State.
2: Yeah, I, I, I in some ways, I think you could be right because, and it's also like you're not—that's like an enemy you don't know as well, um, type of thing from the <laughs> fan bases. Like Ole Miss and State do this all the time, um, in other sports as well. But like the, yeah, the the Arkansas piece that would have been. That would have been great. And the the ticket price and the get in price oh, it would have been outrageous because there would have been a lot more competition on the other side. But that's part of what made it such a cool celebration. It was 20,000 people there. And it, not that this program needed proof that it is bought in, that people care about Ole Miss baseball. But if you needed a reminder or you needed a gauge of just how much that that was it, because. Again, this was not, like, a storybook team from start to finish. Like, I mean, I know we make fun of Tennessee, but that was, like, one of their greatest teams ever. That was one – all joking aside, that was one of the best college baseball teams I've seen in recent memory. It wasn't that. Like, people were out on this team in April. And, my God, how things can change in 60 days because the amount of people there really kind of blew me away. And, like I said, it's kind of fitting because it did help them win both of those games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was nice to see a postseason crowd helpful in this. And they they certainly did. Look, like I've said this before um, in this podcast, but I'm excited to just get to watch Ole Miss play baseball. No no scar tissue. Nothing matters. The pass doesn't matter. Um, When they go play in 2023, like, they're just going to go play ball. And, if you know, they host a regional and have to play on a Monday night against Notre Dame. It's like, well, they'll probably win. Um, And you don't have to freak out over every pitch because – they won the 2022 national championship, which is still an insane statement to say.
2: It really is. It's uh, it's, it's an incredible ride. This is uh, this entire thing. I mean, just the entire storyline, the turnaround. I mean, I think this is why people like sports. Um, the most unlikely of things happens. And it's, it was, it was pretty cool. We could say a ton of different things. Oh, I got a good one. We actually didn't submit questions to this podcast, but uh, a listener out there who's also a friend of mine texted me today um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Am I still allowed to call for Mike's head when he loses a Tuesday game in February? Yeah, I said it's no. fair. <laughs> you lose to Pine no. Bluff in February next year. I could see how that seat could get a little bit hot. Does uh, he need to host next year to keep his job? Thoughts?
1: No, but uh, they will. Um, but isn't that, in, in all seriousness, isn't it nice that all that's over? Like, It's yeah. done.
2: In a lot of ways, when we, we assuming, I mean, we'll, uh, we got uh, like when we do this podcast, I was about to say, assuming we do this podcast, I, I got no plans to stop potting anytime soon. When we continue to do this in the years to come, it will be nice to view a season through a different lens. To where, really, dude, all three years we've done this podcast, it's been Omaha or bust because we started yeah. the year after Black Monday happened, and so every season we've done so much of an emphasis almost in not, I don't want to say an unhealthy way, but not in a great way, has been like, can this team win 18 games, be a national seed in Omaha or bust? It would be nice to kind of cover the season through a different lens in that sense on this pod. And, and just I talk always, about baseball?
1: What'd you say? And just talk about baseball?
2: Yeah, exactly. And not have the legacy and the hot seat conversation every week. You're exactly right. I think that's a great way to put it. And it's this le- this season in some ways – is kind of a lesson because I've talked about this before. Ole Miss fans, it's it's been such an absolute thing during the Mike Bianco era. And this isn't a criticism or anything, it's just kind of an observation. It's always been, okay, really good regular season. The teams never suck. But if you're if you're in a road regional, you're not making it out. And where's the heart rate gonna come if they are a national seed or a host or whatever? And it's been kind of so absolute to where I feel like this is a lesson that this is a weird sport and it's a weird season and it's a long season and things can turn around because, you know, two seeds have won the national title before three seeds have won the national title before, like teams have gotten hot and turned it around. And so like, I, I guess I say all that just to kind of be like, I don't know, if there's a lesson somewhere in this, that like, you know, you don't have to live and die by every pitch on a, <laughs> on a, uh, on a Saturday series in Lexington, Kentucky, and what it means for the big picture. But in fairness, it, it was completely fair to do that the last three years. But you're oh right. sure. It will be nice that that that's that's a diff, that's not the conversation anymore, and justifiably so, the guy just won a natty yeah,
1: yeah. and uh, I expect paid well for it, um as he should um, no it's a lot of people deserved yesterday and, and 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 he's at the top of that list and and you know as somebody that that have said this before that, that cares about Ole Miss basketball it's It's nice that now they just the program and everybody involved. Um just gets to go play baseball because I think if they just get to go play baseball, I think they've got a chance to to reel off some some real runs here um maybe you know look i'm not predicting another national championship um I'm not not predicting it i'm just I'm just saying that this program the way it's run um and the consistency that it's shown over the regular season over the past twenty two years um, if they just get to go play postseason baseball with with limited pressure. Um, I think he can do some special things in the ne- in the next few years.
2: Yeah, and that's why this is a validation. Like the postseason, he finally got the postseason result that is is more of a mirror image of the type of program he's built. And yeah, that's a great. Not to too repetitive, but like the, the, the I do want to harp on this a little bit more. The, the what he's done at Ole Miss, what Mike Vinko's done in 22 years at Ole Miss, is is remarkable for a place that doesn't have scholarship advantages that didn't have any baseball tradition like. It really is in big picture. It it is pretty incredible. They never suck. What if they missed two NCAA tournaments in his time? Three? What, 17?
1: 11 and 02.
2: Always forget about his his second year, uh, 02? Yeah.
1: And it was, they were like number two in the country and like 14 and 5 or something in SEC play and then like literally lost 11 games straight to end the year. Imagine those message boards.
2: Oh, man. And look at the look at the where the stadium swept like. at Mississippi State. They got swept at state.
1: Oh, yeah. They, uh, that team in 02 literally had to win one game to make the SEC tournament the last weekend at state, and they got swept.
2: Aye, yeah, yeah. That would go over well these days. That would make some incredible <laughs> message board content. Um, but like it, it is, it's fitting because it is, it's unbelievable what he's done. Um, and look. Oh, what you what these fans want, and what you want in an athletic program is you want people in place that are game changers that can take a situation and make and make it better, and overachieve and and be better than maybe the resources you have until you win enough, and you know the money flows behind it, and then you have the resources to become a consistent winner, and that's that's what he's done. And I feel like some of the postseason struggles have unfairly, and fairly in some senses, but largely unfairly, overshadowed that. You want difference makers as the head coaches of your national of of your programs and I think Lane Kiffin is well on his way to being that in Ole Miss football and that that's what you want and Mike Bianco absolutely is that and he's been there so long it's almost like he, I don't know if I don't know if it's fair to say Ole Miss fans take him for granted but I just don't know if if what he's done and what he's built has gotten its just due because it really is remarkable
1: yeah that's a uh, yeah it's it's a uh, like I've said, we've said this before: the model consistency from a regular season standpoint, and like you just made a great point about uh, the the consistency finally uh, rendered the postseason result that was supposed to happen. And um, now they just get to go play baseball. And I think obviously I'm excited about my alma mater winning the national championship. And I think I'm uh, it just as excited um, about this program just getting to go be a normal baseball program. Um, after dealing with everything that, that that they've had to deal with over the past twenty twenty two years, they just get to go be be a baseball team and be a baseball program and um, let the postseason results fall where they're made. There's there's no postseason bear that's you know looking over your shoulder anymore. It's over. Um, and I think if that's the case, this like I said, I think this program can do a lot of a lot of special things because, um, and and. You know, if if that is to happen, it is come true. fruition. you look back at this group as the group that you know kind of put put all that to bed because because they dog filed on the mound at Omaha.
2: This is a pod for another day, and we'll probably do it in a week or two. But I'm just curious, like if if you're a Dylan Delucia or a Kevin Graham who technically has a COVID year, like yeah. a guy like that, do you go out on top or do you run it back? Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm
1: if I'm KG. Um.
2: I'm out. If I'm if I'm Justin Bench, I'm
1: I'm I'm I mean, I'm assuming you know somebody takes me. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get my money and and go pro because how else does he get better than this? You know, obviously, Luce um, is different a little, little different story because Luce technically is in a leverage year. He's still got two years left. Um, you know, can he pitch himself into a higher ranking? I think that's a question he'll have to ask himself. Um, and I I don't know the answer to that. I'm not smart enough to answer that. Uh, but yeah, for like guys like like Graham and Bench, what else is there to prove? Rock, um, you know what? What else is there to prove, man? You know, th- those guys have have done everything that they can do for this program. Um, and and no, I think if you're them, um, if it were me, I I would I've got my degree. I'm gonna I'm gonna go play pro baseball with my year of leverage, um, and see where that takes me. And and I'll never buy a meal or a drink in Oxford again.
2: And that's probably a great closing note to this pod is just to bring up one more time. This team did immortalize himself. Like people that when they come back in 20 years and 25 years and however long they want to keep coming back to Oxford, uh, people will love this team for forever. And for a while it almost seemed like an unlovable group to where it was like, God, what is wrong with these dudes? And they, they transformed that into people remember this for forever. Like I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be, Tim, can you imagine Tim Elko? Like, if he's like, oh, I'd like to come back for a football game this year, what that the Grove experience is like for a guy like that? Uh, yeah, you'll never pay for another meal, you'll never pay for another beer or, dr- or drink in this town. It, it's it's remarkable, and um, I think you're gonna see that on Wednesday with the parade and all of that, right? I mean, that's yeah. what happens when you win a championship. The celebration isn't just one day and it's not two days, and they're gonna enjoy this for a long time, and it's it's gonna be cool, but I, I think you'll see that when they get back to Oxford and there's a and I know they got back today and were greeted by a massive crowd, but when you get the official celebration, um, I, I think that's gonna be a day to remember and I think that'll kinda of be a prelude to how they will be greeted every time they come back to Oxford, whether it's individually or collectively at reunions.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. It's uh it's a special experience for sure. Um, you know, I always thought that, that one day old Miss would, would get it done and obviously I thought it would be in baseball, obviously. Uh, when you compete in the, the SEC and in, in football, it makes it as it, it, Ole Miss. It makes it extremely, extremely hard. So when you talk about um, winning championships or, or national championships in the Big Three, obviously baseball is the one you think is going to happen. I always thought it would happen in my lifetime. I did not think it was this team, and <laughs> and I I still like driving home today. It's still like I would I would think to myself, this this is the group that won the national championship and. I would just have to convince myself over and over again, and then I would go listen to David Kellum's final call. Uh, speaking of people that you're happy for, uh, that was awesome for him yesterday. I don't know if you've listened to that final call, but it was it was awesome. Um,
2: that guy's called a lot of games. That was pretty cool. He deserves that one. Yeah,
1: he's had somebody said it on Twitter. He's had to care about a lot of bad Ole Miss teams, and I'm not just talking about baseball. That man deserves that. Um, you know, so it's uh. No, nah, what a what a what a special deal for for everybody affiliated with Old Miss Ole Miss baseball.
2: It really is awesome. Well, this has been great, dude. What a wild ride this season has been. I've enjoyed doing these pods, even when they felt like Groundhog Day <laughs> in March and April. But I really appreciate it, dude. This is another fun year. Um, I've told you this before. Like, I don't know where the, all of this would be without your help. Because when I started this on my own and there was no rivals, there was no Rebel Grove. I was just like, hey, I don't think I can pay you, but let's just shoot the shit for an hour and see if anyone starts listening to this. So, man, I really appreciate it. You're not done. I'm going to give you a little bit of a breather, then we'll probably do some off-season stuff in a week or two sure. about who comes back when it's done. But, man, I really appreciate it. This has caught on. Um, it was cool interacting with listeners in Omaha this week. Um, I yeah. didn't one guy who told me that I stiffed him on a handshake. I just ignored him. Uh, sorry about that. That was not intentional. I, <laughs> I, try, I interacted with a lot of people. I, uh, uh,
1: I actually got to sit by um, – by a guy that uh that, that listens to the pod and follows me on Twitter and, and like extremely, extremely baseball. And I'm not going to say his name in case he doesn't want it out there, but uh, yeah, that was really cool. Um, so so glad to glad to get to do stuff like that. That was, I sat by the uh game that almost won the uh beat Arkansas and advanced to, to the national championship, so that, that was a pretty cool experience too.
2: It really was. And, uh, you know, if there are any other reports circulating around me in general debauchery in Omaha, that I'm just going to a blanket statement. That doesn't sound like me, and it was probably someone else. That's how you kind of get resolved. I, I echo
1: that. I echo that statement.
2: Yes. I plead the fifth. It was probably an <laughs> imposter. Um, but to the handshake guy, I'm terribly sorry. I was probably just in a daze. Um, read into that what you wish. Uh, dude, I appreciate the time as always. We'll chat again in a couple weeks. But uh, hell of a year, my guy. We'll talk to you again soon
1: absolutely buddy sounds
2: good all right that is our show if you made it to the end i really appreciate you guys making us uh making this show a part of your day i know i said it a little bit off the top but i really do appreciate everyone listening this podcast uh particularly i get reminded of it a lot during baseball season but really year-round i really appreciate what it, it it's become and you know i don't get to get out of the mix much i'm still kind of new to being able to go back to sporting events to, you know for fun again um which i enjoy that part of it but um I'm always reminded how many, you know, how many great listeners we have out there and people that are passionate and, um, you know, this isn't my full-time job anymore. And I do get paid for this, but I I don't do this for the money. I do it because I enjoy it. I enjoy talking on Miss sports and I enjoy interacting with all of you out there. So um, I really appreciate it. I've been blown away by some of the comments um, and messages we've gotten over the last couple weeks and seeing you guys out in Omaha. So, Um, I really, really do appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I know a lot of people are happy for a lot of different reasons. And that in turn makes me happy because uh, this is why people get invested in sports. So again, we're far from done. We'll have more national championship content and this pod will keep rolling along to the summer. But I just wanted to pause and say a huge thank you to everyone out there who listens. I, I genuinely appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. So um, y'all have a great start to your week. Maybe you just decided to take the week off. Maybe you just quit your job on the spot. I don't know what you people do these days. It looked like everyone was so, celebrating pretty heavy, but um, stay safe and we will, uh, we'll be back again real soon. Be a little bit of an irregular podcast schedule this week, but we got tons of great content coming down the pipe. Uh, y'all enjoyed the celebration and uh, have a great start to your week.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?